welcome to the sixth episode of the Cheesy Controller Podcast and part one of our post E3 reactions episode. We had to break this very special episode into two parts because it was so jam-packed with cheesy good So sit back and enjoy part one. Hey everyone, welcome to the sixth episode of the Cheesy Controller Podcast. I'm your host, Anton LaPlatte. With me as always is Jalen Roberts. I'm back again! And Chris Montalbano. What's going on? We have a jam-packed show for you guys this week. It's our post-E3 reaction show. This week we'll be talking about our most anticipated games from the show this year, our press conference reactions, we will tally up our points to see who won our prediction from last week's episode, and we will name our individual game of the show. All right, so leading off, I guess we will talk about our most anticipated game of the show list. You guys want to do this round table, we go one by one, and if we have any overlap, we can throw out some honorable mentions or something like that. I mean, sounds good. <laughs> that sounds like the best plan. Sure. Okay, so Jalen? All right, I'm going to start with Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Thank you for crushing what little hope I had left for Marvel's Capcom Infinite. The game looks better in motion, the yep. gameplay looks better, and the yep. faces aren't janky. Yep. That demo... Yeah, I just, I just got done with the show. Chun-Li's face still gives me nightmares. Oh my god, it was bad! How'd then, you do that? And then, Dragon Ball Z comes in with basically characters I already like. The game looks good. It basically plays like Marvel's Capcom 2. Which, if you ask me, greatest fighting game ever made. So, Yeah, sounds right up your alley. Okay, so Chris, your first game? My first game, Evil Within 2. Evil Within. Ah. Yeah, dude. I wasn't expecting that. No, I mean, Bethesda got shat on with Evil Within 1. It wasn't expected. Like, so I didn't think they were going to come out with another one. But the way the trailer looked, I'm so glad. I'm happy for classic survival horror to come back. I like yeah. Outlast. I like Alien. I like the whole I can't do anything running away. But right. I kind of like having a gun every Just once in a while uncomfortable and that uncomfortable feeling of being in this like room where you have no idea what's going to come at and you. And then also I like on the fly decision making. Like am I going to actually fight this fool and waste the last bit of shotgun ammo right. I do or do I take the hit and just run for my life? Yeah. Alright so my first game was Destiny 2 which I know all three of us are going to play. We've talked about it on the podcast before. July 18th! Yeah. Beta's coming up soon. First on PlayStation 4. We got new details on subclasses. We got new details on the PlayStation exclusive strikes. Um, the exclusive gear. map. Yeah. yeah, we get new maps. We have an exclusive map, strike, gear, gear ship, and... I want to say a sparrow. No. Was it a sparrow? No, it wasn't a sparrow. I think that was it. Okay. Yeah, that sounds... No, exotic. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the... Change you can change the uh, element affinity for that sniper rifle. Okay, nice. that's what makes it good. It's it's basically hey, what kind of damage you need? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So Jalen, your second game. I have Wolfenstein: The New Colossus. I played some of uh, Old Blood recently, and that's a lot of fun. It's kind of arcadey, sliding around, shooting up Nazis. It's fun. It's a blast, and it's good to see. It's good to see an alt-history game actually go to America for once. Because usually they do the whole, Europe's the only thing that got trashed. Even though we all know if Europe fell, America was next. And it's good to see. I can finally kill some Nazis on my own home turf. Yeah, the Wolfenstein, since they rebooted that universe with uh, the New Order and the Old Blood, and now going into Wolfenstein 2, uh, the New Colossus? or yeah, the Shadow of the Colossus? No, New Colossus. Okay, so... 
leading out of the new order and the old blood into the new colossus it just seems like they took uh bethesda's being really good at bringing back their franchises in ways that are fresh and new like i think they learned their lesson with fallout 4 they brought back fallout and it was too much of the same but then they brought back doom I, they brought back I, wolfenstein, Quake. I feel like wolfenstein was before fallout 4 wolfenstein came out first yeah wolfenstein so they i would say they learned it from wolfenstein well, the first Wolfenstein game had the problem of that game was, it had a lot of controversy because it took like two hours to get good, and so you play like the beginning of that game in like a wheelchair, and so you're like confined to a wheelchair and like roaming around a hospital for like two hours solid before you even pick up a gun, and then so the lessons from that were picked up in Doom where within three seconds into the game you're shooting somebody in the face. Yeah, Doom was amazing. Doom was good. All right, Chris, your number two. My number two was uh, Metro from the Xbox One. What's the new one called? Exodus. Mm, yeah, Metro Exodus. 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 Okay. Yeah. That game looked mad intense, and it almost had like a kind of a survival four feeling. Just from the trailer, you were just like confined to this tight space, and you had things just running at you. I've played a little like, bit of Metro Last Light, and mm. yeah, I I liked how. I like how it took the whole post-apocalyptic fallout kind of thing, but they made the resources really, really scarce. Like, yeah. Resident Evil has more resources than a regular Metro game. Yeah. It gets bad. Especially if you're on the service, because you have to start finding um, filters, or you just mm -hmm. start taking health damage. It's, it gets rough. So... You guys are making me want to buy... There's a bundle on PSN. I'm going to wait for both of these bundles to go on sale. But there's a bundle of Metro 30, 2033 and Last Light. And I've seen that bundle, like, both those games together for as low as, like, $15. And then I've seen the bundle of Wolfenstein, The New Order, and The Old Blood for under 20 bucks. So I'll probably try and get those bundles on sale next time I see them on sale. Try those series out because I don't have any exposure to either of those series outside of like anecdotal like yeah hearing people talk about them hearing people complain about them hearing people praise them and i think this is the one thing bethesda has done well is i'm gonna go back and play the evil within now i want to go back and finish uh i want to go back and beat uh the new order it's they're extending my backlog with these really interesting looking sequels right yeah and that's the problem like i had a lot of games on this list that are now like so next machina they they talked more about e3 they announced it at playstation experience and then between e3 and this recording it came out and we beat the arcade mode all the way through yeah and like i'm going for the platinum in that game it's basically like a continuation of resogun which was my favorite ps4 launch title my first platinum trophy like resogun is where it's at and I look forward to even more of that, like, heroin-level, like, addicting gameplay in Next Machina. Like, it's already proven to me that it has it. It's like the next evolution of Resogun, yeah. which is all that I've wanted. So it feels like it's Resogun and their alien... Did they make Alienation? Yeah. Yeah, it feels like they just fused, like, the last couple of games they've made. Well, and it's amazing. I mean, Alienation was a continuation of Dead Nation, and Dead Nation... So the reason I, Alienation didn't click with me as much is because I like Dead Nation, 
But then going to Resogun, Resogun is way more pure with the gameplay and way more pure with the replayability and the flow. And it's like, it's a, it's a critical path through the level. And you start to learn that. And you can apply that to like higher difficulties. And yeah. yeah, and I think that's why Alienation clicked with me is because one of my favorite PC games of all time is always going to be the Diablo franchise. And so I like randomly generated dungeons in like a type of game like Alienation. So yeah. running around trying to find stuff is right up my alley. All right, so my next game back on our top games of the show is Dissidia Final Fantasy NT. I love the I city. need it! <laughs> I need it! <laughs> I have the pseudo-collector's edition of the original Dissidia. They didn't have an actual collector's edition. They just had pre-order sleeves for the game case from GameStop that made it, like, gave you alternate box art for both sides of the story, and it was really cool. So I still have that to this day, my original copy of Dissidia Final Fantasy. I have Dissidia Duo Decim digitally. I like both those, like, on the PSP, besides Crisis Core, the Dissidia games are my favorite games. And I mean, if Crisis Core weren't so damn good, if they were making a Crisis Core, like, on PS4, that would completely <laughs> blow this out Honestly, the and this is just me, honestly, yeah. I would be more excited for a, even just a up-res PS4 port of Crisis Core than mm-hmm. I would be for the entire remake. That's that just be, me, because yeah, I, I, I love 7, okay but Crisis that. Core. Yeah, yeah like, dude. I don't even want the 7 remake as much as I'd want a like. Crisis Core 2, let's say. Let's say, oh, uh, not even a two. Just give, just give me, give it to me on PS4. Give me trophies. That's all I need. Very true. That's I would all that. that. I would. I just. What I really want is for Sony to just take a lot of their really good PSP games. I don't care if you move They're it to Vita. I don't care if you move it to PS4. I just need trophies on them. Trophies on the original Dissidia. I would have played in that game. Well, this Dissidia looks like. A continuation. The way Duo Decim was just an expansion on Dissidia, this looks like just an well, expansion. Yeah, they have Yashota from Final Fantasy fourteen. Well they had fourteen um fourteen wasn't out yet. Fourteen wasn't out yet, but they had fourteen the original fourteen was out. Yeah. And so they had fourteen characters. Yeah, Yashota. They had fifteen they had stuff from fifteen when it was still versus thirteen and they had type zero stuff in that game. So that game like the base Dissidia had 14. A quick question. who Who's making this game? I know it's a Square Enix game because it's Final Fantasy, but... Dissidia and T, I want to say they're collaborating with someone. Okay. It might probably be Bandai. Well, they had a... Bandai Namco was doing Final Fantasy VII HD, and Final Fantasy VII HD got moved entirely in-house because of a problem with Bandai. So I think I don't think they would have been talking about okay. this city as heavily as they were at the show if it were Bandai Namco. Like I would love it okay, if Bandai the Namco. Why, the only made reason that game. why I thought it was Bandai Namco is because, like Tekken Seven, which was the ban- last Bandai Namco game, this game's been out in Japanese arcades for like a year. Right, but I mean that's standard fare because Pokin. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. It's just wasn't Pokin Bandai? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, this, Tekken, this is why I yeah. keep no, but this is why I keep thinking that Bandai's just doing these arcade games over there. Cause yeah, it's part like because that's what they did for my childhood. Yeah, I re- I still remember going down to Underground when it was cool playing Tekken Three, trying to learn how to command grab people to death. Right. Okay, so I did Dissidia. Jalen, your next game. 
Mine is gonna be Beyond Good and Evil Two. Mm. I I played. I didn't finish Beyond Good and Evil One. I got about a third of the way through. I think they're gonna put it on PS4. I never played it at all, yeah. but I see it coming to PS4, and I see that being apparently that game's not that long. It's not. So it's. But it was fun. I liked the story. I liked the whole a different take on the whole being in the alien world and all that stuff like you're a journalist so the combat isn't you have a stick and you can beat people up third person action style but you're still required to like take pictures and stuff because once again you're a reporter yeah and I thought that was kind of cool giving uh it was it's one of the reasons why I like Dead Space you weren't a soldier you were an engineer I like regular people doing stuff yeah those are always pretty cool alright Chris your next uh, game? I got Ori in the Will of the Wisp. Oh, yeah. That game was beautiful. That game's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Even Just, on 1080, like, that game didn't even run at full 1080 last time around. It was, like, 900p, but that game yeah, was still so gorgeous. That, gorgeous. It's just aesthetic. It's why I... This is I mean, why I, I personally believe if your art style can overcome anything, look at Persona 5. That's just art style. Right. I'm playing Ori, Breath of yeah. the Wild, and Breath of the Wild is... Nin- this is the thing Nintendo's been doing well, especially with Zelda games. Uh, Wind Waker. Wind Waker Whoa. looked gorgeous. Twilight yeah. Princess looked gorgeous. Mm. Skyward Sword was watercolor. Yeah. Twilight Princess is the one in there that I don't think holds up as well as you think it does. I think it did. It I, had like I a nice grimy it. dark I, I like, tone to the Zelda world. That exactly. We've never it seen gave before. me. It gave me like that Majora's Mask. It, it took the Majora's Mask atmosphere and like actually put it into its art style. Right. It was. And you know, it, this was like the first like really dark, grimy Zelda game. So it's, yeah, it was a nice change of pace. Okay. All right. Well, about halfway through our list, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll finish off our list and get on to our predictions and our coverage of the press conferences that happened earlier in the week. back from our break all right uh so back on the topic of our early games of the show just our list of upcoming games that we're excited for my next one is a game that you can go out and play right now but it's coming to ps4 finally with trophies i'm talking about patapon everybody's favorite rhythm game from psp True. that's what i'm saying they're bringing they brought dissidia over from the PSP, I wish they'd bring Crisis Core over. I need Crisis Core. <laughs> but they're bringing over Patapon, which is one of the greatest things they could do. And they brought over Loco Roco, and they brought over Parappa the Rapper and Wipeout. So I feel like PlayStation doing a good job of bringing up their back catalog I to mean, current gen. I, I mean, they, they definitely need to. I mean, I like, the fact, I like the fact that that, just for the sole fact, is this is like... 
just like in game history, this is a good thing. Because, like, yeah. there's games that are older than us or that came out when we were, like, young or didn't have money that we can now go back and really, really enjoy. I mean, I feel like they're looking at the side of, like, a play-and-trade and seeing how many people go out and find these old game systems and they're like, they are collectors. So it makes it easier for the person who, like wants to go out but they don't have all these game systems or don't have all the money so they can just go to their PS4 and just play these things that they love so much. Look, the only backwards compatible, there's two backwards compatible games that Microsoft needs to add to their Xbox to really, really be good. They need Knights of the Old Republic 1. Hasn't been announced. And they need Jade Empire, which also hasn't been announced. I know both of them are Bioware games. I don't care. Jade Empire was amazing. Those I think the Old really Republic hard. was amazing. I know. Well, Old Republic is our. We all know Old Republic is amazing. That's true. That's. It's like saying Sonic One and Sonic One, Two, and Three aren't really good platformers. Does EA still have the rights to those games? <sighs> Probably. Probably. I think. I don't know about Jade Empire. I think Jade Empire was before EA got their hands on Bioware. So here's the problem with that: backwards compatibility is de- decided by the publisher and the rights holder. So there are games that right now on. Xbox One backwards compatibility that are noticeable omissions that just aren't there because they can't get like they can't get a hold of the rights to putting it on there. Right. So if EA has Knights of the Old Republic and Jade Empire, then that might be a lot less sticky. But like license games, it was published by Microsoft Game Studios. So that's most like so it's basically Microsoft give me Jade Empire. Right. Yeah, they need to at least put all their first party stuff. Like there's no reason for them not to. Well, since it's just being announced that they're putting old Xbox games on there, they're this is your announcement and they're going to work on things. They're gonna put the most popular ones and then they're gonna get the ones that obviously no brander should be like on there. Right. So you just I mean, gotta give them time, and I feel like they're going to expand that library like nothing else. Yeah, the only reason I want an Xbox One S right now is just for backwards compatibility. I want a system that I can hook up to my TV. Like, right now I have my PS4 hooked up, and my PS4 has, like, arcade games. It has old, like, games that, like, PS2 games. Right. Just games from the past 20 years just all over the place. I have games like that on my PS4, but it's not as unified as the way Xbox One does backwards compatibility because I can get a digital catalog going literally from the start of Xbox and work my way through Xbox exclusives that I've just missed. Like 360, I had a pretty good grasp on like Xbox exclusive games, but Xbox, I didn't get an OG Xbox until the 360 was out. And right. I was primarily playing my PS3 already at the time. And then my 360, I played all the Halo games. I played all the Gears games. But then there were the things that I missed out on that I don't even realize I missed out on. Like Jade Empire. Right. But I, I feel like PS4 could do backwards compatibility because PS3 had it. I literally had, like, when, you, when Resident Evil 6 was first coming out, you could di- literally pre-order the discography of Resident Evil and have Resident Evil 1 through 6 all on your PS4 or PS3. I can't have that now. Even though I paid for it, there are games that I had for PS1 downloaded to my then PS3, they, then they but I can't do that. they just re-release a bunch of like classic PS1 games like Dark Cloud. No, those, no that's PS2. PS2. My bad. Oh, PS2? 
And PS Now doesn't really have that many PS1 games either. Well, they so. don't have PlayStation Classics, which is one of the best reasons to have a Vita. Because almost any PS1 game you want to play yeah, is on Yeah, I do have Castlevania Symphony on that. So do I. Uh, I have Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy Tactics. I want to see if I can get four. Uh, have I have Resident Evil 1, 2, 3. I have hmm? Crash 1, 2, 3. I'm sorry, what? I mean, me too. That involves Capcom treating that. No, no, they, no, no. I feel Konami. like that was... That's Konami. Yeah. That's dead in the water. I'm sorry. I feel like that was... I don't know, maybe... No, that's Konami. Was that's, that not mentioned somewhere in New Castlevania game? No. No? Because that's a Konami property. Which well, is, no, Konami did something weird, but it, no, I they don't did, think they it did was, a pachinko machine of Castlevania. No, they've done... Because Bomberman R... Bomberman R was supposed to be like their last game other than Pez. But because it was a Switch launch title, and it was you could buy 1-2-Switch, Zelda, or Bomberman, and those were your only choices at the Switch launch for physical games... Bomberman R sold through the roof. It topped out on NPD the month it came out. So that showed Konami, hey, maybe we could publish video games still. And so Konami has come out and said something, but I'm not sure New Castlevania game is what they Here's the thing about Konami, especially at this point. Konami burnt down that bridge themselves. Like, all of this they did to themselves, and now they're trying to run it back. they could be high up there. They could have shat on Resident Evil 7 with releasing a Silent Hill game. But they're... mm, I mean, that wasn't their prerogative, so... I mean, I guess, but... God, you've done so well for my childhood, and then you just crush it. I'm just sorry, I got sad a little bit for a moment. Alright, we got super sidetracked. I got hurt by downloading PT recently. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I'm excited for Nino Cooney. The new Nino Kuni. That okay. game looks really good. It looks pretty. It looks like, you know, Studio Ghibli. I'm going to go back and beat the first one. Like, make my backlog longer, game companies. Right. Just I have make my backlog game. longer. I have that game on PS3. I On my PS3, I think I have Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Catherine, <laughs> Flow Flower Journey, um, Nino Kuni, Persona Arena 1 and 2, and Pocket Fighters. And I think that's, like, it. I feel like there's one more, like, really awesome game that I have digitally, like, installed on my PS3 right now, but I can't think of it. All right, my next game was Nino Kuni, but since you took it, I'll throw in one of my honorable mentions. I'll throw in Gran Turismo Sport. Gran Turismo 5 is one of my favorite racing games of all time. I owe a lot of being able, like, a lot of my knowledge on driving, period, to Gran Turismo because... Learning how to drive, I was driving a Honda Civic, I got a Honda Civic in Gran Turismo and learned how it handled, learned how to drive, drove it around the Top Gear track. I probably tell this story almost every time we bring up Gran Turismo. But I mean, that's the one thing they've been good at for so many years. I mean, it's a like, sim. It's a yeah, sim. Yeah, it's definitely it's not a an arcade game, it's a it's, sim. And, and they do it right. I, yeah, I've always liked the concept right of sims, years. but I've just... I never got into them. There's one of those things where it's like, it's like a fighting game. It takes time to just be able to do basic things in that game. Yeah. And it has VR. So hopefully, Racing Wheel, VR, Gran Turismo Sport, like, future. (laughs) Right. I can't. I woke up in that new Bugatti. Right. (laughs) 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 My headset on, apparently. I've been crashing into a wall for six hours. I didn't hear it. But I'm in the new Bugatti. All right, so Chris, your next game. 
My next game is Cuphead. Um, it was a platformer game that looks like your old, like, early 20s, like, Disney-style Popeyes kind of looking game that, I mean, it looks really hard and looks really intense and just amazing. The only art style, I feel like it's the only game that I've seen that's done that. Peacock, Skullgirls. Well, oh, yeah, Skullgirls. Peacock, Girls, Skullgirls. It's done that art style? That's what Peacock that, is. She's okay. literally a 60s, early 60s cartoon character. Right. Over the top. Well, it wasn't a hand-drawn. Skullgirls isn't hand-drawn all the way through. Like, Cuphead, the entire game yeah, looks like a hand-drawn cartoon from that era. Yeah. And Cuphead, it finally got a release date at Microsoft's conference. But the thing about Cuphead is Cuphead was announced at least three years ago. And Cuphead, initially they announced this game, said it was going to be a boss rush game. It was going to be like Fury or like a boss rush mode in like a Sonic game where it's literally just boss, 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 like Shadow of the Colossus or Titan Souls or any of these games. And it's just literally boss after boss after boss. And people said, well, why don't you fill out your game more? You have Microsoft money behind you. Right. Make platforming segments. Like if this game is going to be tough as nails, don't have it just be bosses like have something leading into the bosses have like world building around it and so they added that in and then people were like well your platform platforming segments aren't that strong we need better tighter platforming so this I, I like the fact that all this happened publicly because i follow game designs sometimes yeah. and it's nice to see have like a clear okay this got delayed because they wanted to add this thing that the community said they needed, and then they had to refine it. And it's it's not like it's not like Versus Thirteen, which just went MIA for a decade. They didn't right. go MIA. They talked about it every single year, and they just like arbitrarily increased <laughs> yeah. the number. Like I said, went MIA for ten years. So we got Cuphead, which is a good Microsoft is coming to the Windows Store. So yeah, you have so get it on your PC. PC! PC! It's ne- that's one of those games that's never coming to PlayStation because it has Microsoft money behind it, which is unfortunate. All right. Um, Jalen, I'll let you throw out your next game. All right. It's the Spider-Man game. It's just Ubisoft. It's the... No, it's Insomniac's yeah. Spider-Man game. The Ratchet and Clank game they made was great. And oh, God. It's nice to see Spider-Man get closer to Spider-Man 2 because it had the best web-slinging, you had to tap the L and R button in time to swing. And it yeah. was perfect. Yeah. And for some reason, we've just never gotten back to that in a 3D Spider-Man game. And this looks really good. Well, the closest we've gotten have been basically Insomniac games. They've always been over, like great with movement. They talk about Sunset Overdrive, which was their last big game. I mean, since then, they've done, like, Song of the Deep and things like that. But their last big game, really, was Sunset Overdrive, which was another open-world game with great movement, great mechanics, great art, great, like, that world really popped, and that's what we need out of a Spider-Man game. Yeah. We, need a, we need a great world, we need a great main character, which we have in Spider-Man, and we need a great mechanic system, because Spider-Man is not... Batman. It's not Batman. And that was no. the problem with the last Spider-Man game we got, if that was too busy trying to be Arkham instead of a Spider-Man game. Right. right. This has Arkham-ish combat, but it, like seeing the combat in action looks way more Spider-Man than anything Spider-Man has done ever 
in a video game. Yeah, and then, just for me, I feel like this was a personal gift for me at the end of the trail, Miles Morales shows up. I mean, they just have him there. Yeah, That's uh, a plus for me, was... because I've been reading the comics, and yeah, I grew up and got to see Peter Parker grow from like 14 to the adult he is now, yeah. but it's really great seeing Miles. Yeah, I, I feel just like... like the way they handled his... I feel like anybody who's into comic books right now and anybody who's following Spider-Man, Miles Morales just seems to be exactly what Spider-Man has needed for a really long time. Well, yeah, story. because they have to take it... Because this was like the best way of taking it back to what it what a lot of people fell in love with Spider-Man, which was this was a sarcastic teenager making quips, trying to be the best superhero he can be with this extra responsibility he gets out of nowhere. And then... Lately, it's been like, oh, he's an adult. What really can you do? They, we've already seen him got married. We've already seen the child he would have had. Yeah. We've pretty much seen everything we possibly could have seen out of Peter. Yeah. And then we have this new character going through a bunch of different stuff. And then throw in the new stuff like Secret Empire from the comics. It's like, we finally can see Miles fight Hydra. It's great. Dope. All right. Sounds pretty cool. So, I guess... I haven't really talked much about Bethesda games, but I'm going to throw out Doom VFR, and this kind of encompasses Fallout 4 VR and Skyrim VR. Uh, so Bethesda announced three of their first-person games are getting ported over to VR, uh, two of which are coming to PlayStation, which are Skyrim and Doom. And as Doom being one of the best first-person shooters of the year last year, it, st- it stood toe-to-toe with Overwatch. If the multiplayer component of Doom was good, then it would have been... You know, the multiplayer in Doom wasn't that bad. I, it I've was, had some fun with it. The only thing about it is, is it that Overwatch. Doom... Well, yeah, Overwatch is a multiplayer shooter with that classic Blizzard polish to it. And that's, that's hard to beat. In yeah. a multiplayer, and especially with the fact that Overwatch is a pure multiplayer game. Right. And with Doom, all the important stuff is in single player. Right. I feel like if you treat Doom as a single player only game, and you just completely discount Snap Map and multiplayer, 2016's Doom is one of the best, it is probably the best single player first person shooter of recent years. And I don't see anyone arguing with that. And that was coming out alongside things like Titanfall 2, Battlefield 1, like Call oh, of Duty, the, Infinite it, Warfare, Modern Warfare. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, and I think the thing with Doom is, is because unlike those other games, they were like, forget this realism, forget this, you know, shooting mechanics that we've been using forever. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these games that we've mentioned other than Doom has similar shooting mechanics. Doom, on the other hand, what happens if we turn the speed to 11, turn the... Damage to 11 and let you run wild. Just make it real badass. And I can't wait to do it in VR. Yeah. And. V fucking. Virtual fucking reality. Yeah. VFR. <laughs> so, Skyrim VR, I just want to touch on it really quick. Um, I have it on my list, but there's not much to say. It's Skyrim, it's a known quantity. But I have never played more than 20 minutes of any version of Skyrim. Like, I've had it on PC. I had it on PS3. I've had access to it on PS4 and 360. But I just literally never 
gave it the like the chance I felt that it deserved because on PS3 I encountered so many bugs. Okay, yeah. that's the, but that's the thing about it. This is the main hiccup I have. The main problem I have with any Bethesda VR game, especially Skyrim. Skyrim is notoriously buggy, and I beat most of Skyrim. The only thing I didn't finish was the Thieves Guild because I don't play sneaking characters. That game is buggy, incredibly buggy. And I'm talking about I saw a giant knock my horse halfway across the map and it came flying back. There was no reason for that to happen. <laughs> I put my I put Daedric Swords, some of the rarest weapons in the game. Like you have to go through a lab request to get these weapons. I put it in my trunk because I had a customized Daedric Battle Axe with Lifesteal. Can't get it out. Right. That game is disgustingly buggy, and I don't want to deal with that when it's in my face. Yeah. I I need them to no, it's, actually fix the bugs. Right, it's beautiful, but once you get like used to it being beautiful, you're still Heck, playing the game. That's why I quit Fallout been... Four. It's because I'm in the middle of the Brotherhood of Steel because I always do Brotherhood first. Yeah, the mission is get on the plane so we can go do things. I can't get on the plane. I just can't for no apparent reason. Reload my save to before. Nope. I just can't get on the plane. I literally cannot finish that Brotherhood of Steel mission for the sole fact of a bug. And, yeah. I, and it's like, especially the fact that this is 2017. We've already had Horizon. We've already had Persona 4, Nier Automata, and the games we have coming out later. There's no reason for me to play a game that buggy. Well, you've well, enjoyed I, this Skyrim experience before. And a lot, like, one of the games that people tell me all the time that they can't believe I haven't played and that I need to play for years now at this point because Skyrim was, what, 2011? Yeah. yeah. So we're more than five years later and there are still people to this day telling me, you should play Skyrim. Honestly, other than, like, how they handled the skill trees, I personally like Oblivion better. But I can't play Oblivion in VR. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. But at least Oblivion didn't break as much. (laughs) At least Oblivion was really good. Oblivion was fun. And I like the... The one thing I really wish they carried over from Oblivion to Skyrim is the spellcrafting you got to do at the college. The main college. Like, I gave every spell a lifesteal for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care if you hit me. I blame all the warlock I played in World of Warcraft. Lifesteal's too good. Lifesteal. All right. I don't know who's next. I'm going to let Chris go because I feel like, yeah, we haven't heard from Chris in a while, so your last game was Cuphead. Uh, I'm going to do... I mean, it wasn't really announced that, but it was announced around E3. Harvest Moon Light of Hope. Harvest Moon is a... I mean, I've talked about farmer simulators more than one time in our... Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. <laughs> I like how he forgot Stardew Valley after putting more time into that game than any other game. And he forgot. It was the just name 112 it. hours. It's fine. But I'm pretty. Sure, I'm, I'm starting to think that's more than you put into Overwatch. Yeah, that's, that's almost more. that's more than I've put into Overwatch, and I'm like way higher level than him. So yeah, but I mean, I'm looking forward to this. It's a new game. It's a new game coming to the console that hasn't happened. I don't think in a minute. I don't know if Wii U actually got a Harvest Moon game. I didn't really have it. You are the Wii U owner. I don't think it did. Uh, Right. My Mm, Wii U is for first-party Nintendo games and nothing else. Harvest Moon Moon party. Well, no. Harvest Moon has come out for PlayStation 2. The first Harvest Moon came out for PlayStation 2. That's not a Nintendo game. I was going to say... 
It stopped Harvest coming Moon. out, and they just stopped like making them for huh. the PlayStation. Like once PS3 came out. Oh, okay. that's what specifically happened. catered to Nintendo, but okay, that's yeah, what I think happened. this was one's coming for out for at least PS4 and the Switch. Woo! But I'm excited to get another Farmer Simulator, and I mean I've loved Harvest Moon since the first one came out a very long time ago. Even for I played all of them for the GameCube, so yeah, that's exciting. Waste another 112 hours on making crops. Alright, Jalen? Alright, I I want to mention Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle, which is XCOM on the Switch, which is a uh, turn-based strategy game where you're trying to position your characters to get accurate shots on the enemy while still being behind cover. The fact that they made a Mario game like that, the fact that Nintendo's willing to do more out-there stuff with their properties now, it's making me happy. That... What confuses me about that game is why did it have to be Rabbids? Ubisoft could have literally rather, just made I would it a rather, Mario I, game. No, I really wish that instead of Rabbids, they got actual Rayman. That, that would have been, been dope. And yeah. I don't get the Rabbids. I really don't. I, I like. Mean, I seriously don't, but... I still don't like the like... I feel like it's definitely geared towards kids. And that's why you're... But it's XCOM gameplay, which is for, like, the most hardcore people. Like XCOM... That. Any XCOM game is really That doesn't really matter. Really They're hard. trying to make money. Put Mario and some rabbits in a game. Who's going to buy it? Kids. And, and young 20-year-olds. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I'm... I was looking at rebuying XCOM Enemy Unknown on my uh, laptop and looking at buying XCOM 2. Right. Just... Maybe on PS4, maybe on my laptop, depending. Like, the, that gameplay is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to play it with that terrible skin over it. Like, Rabbids? Peach Rabbit has an Instagram account. And it is probably the de- definition <laughs> of why the internet needs to be burnt down. <laughs> yep. And I think that's why I like it. Because it's, like, it's a game that's instantly memed on. That pleases me. That I find that amusing. Alright, so my next game on my list is Matterfall, which is the next game coming from Housemark. So we got Resident not Resident Evil, Resogun, we got yeah. Outland, we got Super Stardust, we got Dead Nation, we got Alien Nation. Next Machina just came out and we've already had a blast with that game. And their yeah. next game is Matterfall, which seems to be a combination of Resogun and Outland. And Outland is one of their their only non-PlayStation exclusive games so far. And Matterfall looks like that on steroids. And I'm just so excited. It seems like it has that score-based, like, real housemark feel to it. But it also has that 2D side-scrolling action feel to it that... I feel like next Machina, you're progressing through the story. You really feel the level base, you feel the wave base, yeah. you feel all of those things to it, but I feel like Matterfall seems to take place around a cylinder the same way Resogun did, and one thing that's really great is when Housemark limits your play area, like, they really put you in situations that get, like, that adrenaline pumping, and I feel like so I... Next Machina is... I am not going to stop playing that anytime soon. Um, I Platinum Resogun, and I feel like Matterfall... Right now, Housemark is on such a hot streak that Matterfall is looking like it's just going to be great. 
So we get that in August. And I'm really excited just for more hardcore, really fun, tightly tuned arcade action. And we seem to have a great space for that this year. Yeah. All right, down to our last two games for everybody. Jalen, I'll let you kick it off. All right, so I've always, before I get into this, I want to talk about David Cage. David Cage makes video games, and his video games are weird. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, he made Indigo Prophecy, he made uh, Beyond Two Souls, and Heavy Rain. Ooh, Heavy Rain. And so his next game, Detroit Become Human, interests me. Just because David Cage is one of those, he's like the David Lynch of video games. All this right. stuff are like really, really weird, really artsy, doesn't make any sense, and I'm willing to go through that crazy, overly artistic ride for I mean, Detroit Become Human. But um, for anyone who doesn't know, this is a narrative-focused game where you're playing as various machines who are becoming human. They well, want they're to androids. Like, androids. Yeah. androids. They're becoming machines. sentient. Yeah, they're becoming sentient, so this is, this is pretty much Blade Runner. Right. It's pretty much Blade Runner if you already knew that Harrison Ford was a machine. Right. Or right. Earth. I mean... Excuse <laughs> me for spoiling a movie that's older than both of us can buy. <laughs> I mean, you know? his games are always fun. You have, like, you can make 90 million decisions, and that changes the style of the game, or, like, what happens in the game, and you have, like, 22 different endings that'll come out to it, so you were like... The replay value is always good, and they're and they're that David Cage level of weird. Like the yeah. only other, the only other game director who can hit, who actually matches and not goes, it goes above that kind of weird is Kojima, and yeah. maybe Suda Fifty One when he's really going hard. Well, Suda goes more in the hentai realm of things. He's given too many things. I, I'm, talk, the guy who I, I'm talking face, about. Right? I'm talking. Huh? Suda's the guy who hides his face. Or no. Like, no. No. Who's the guy who hides his face? The near? No, that's no, no. Suda Fifty One is Killer Seven, Lollipop Chainsaw. No more heroes. Oh, no uh, more heroes. Okay, that guy. Yeah. yeah. But he uh, said Lollipop Chainsaw. I'm like, no more heroes. Yeah, no more heroes. That's all you Lollipop have to say. Lollipop Chainsaw. What a game. That was a game. But it's, it's like, <laughs> I like to see, I like to see game directors go weird with their narrative. All right, so Chris, uh, your second to last game? Uh, State of Decay 2, which is a great open world source, like survival, not like horror game. I mean, it is like based in a like post-apocalyptic with zombies and everything. And you're just doing, you're doing everything you can with your team. You're supposed to like make friends, get a team, build a system to where you guys can survive. Like, it just seems amazing to me that they're doing another one that's like huge open world can't wait for that to come out okay so yeah state of decay 2 looks really good it's uh survival it's permadeath it's, yeah yeah state of decay 1 was one of those games that interests me but by the time it came out it was like on the tail end of 360 yeah i feel like i had a ps4 already by the time state of decay really came onto my radar and i right definitely wasn't about to hook back up my 360 to play uh, Xbox Live Arcade game. And now State of Decay 2 looks like it's doing everything State of Decay 1 did right, right. and then adding on top of it like tenfold. So right. for a good survival game, like I played Don't Starve really heavily in the earlier days of PS4. I feel like State of Decay like 
on an Xbox would be a great experience. Yeah. So anybody who has like an Xbox, it should be on your radar. Something good that you can just play with a few, like a bunch of your friends just like going to town killing zombies. Yeah, like the people you, you make the podcast with. Right. Cool. All right, so my second to last game is... Oh, wait, I might have had three left. But my second to last game is Lawbreakers. So Lawbreakers is Cliff Blazinski. For those of you who don't know that who that is, that's one of the industry veterans. He's responsible for Gears of War. He's Cliffy B. Right, Cliffy B is one of those guys who, if you're really into games, you've seen his face before. You've played one of his games before. He is one of the masters of shooters. Yeah. Like hands down, like undisputable. If Cliffy B makes a game that has shooting in it. It's going to be great. And so Cliffy B left Epic, started his own studio, Bosky, and Lawbreakers is their first game. It's coming to PS4 and PC. It is online multiplayer only, class-based. It's the hero shooter. So yeah. much like Overwatch, but just with that way more it's, realistic it's tone. That, and more importantly for me and why I'm interested in, is that they took Overwatch and they gave it the verticality. Like, every character has some form yeah. of verticality. There's a character who can triple jump. Characters have grappling hooks. Characters have jetpacks. Like, it gives you more styles of mobility than, let's say, Overwatch. Right, right. Yeah, running and around. Mobility and freedom is something that I'm always looking for. Like, I was a big Titanfall fan because in my shooters, like, shooting skill becomes one thing but when you like add on that layer of mobility is when you start to get really great gameplay moments of like two ferris flying through the air in overwatch and one just completely like getting that perfect headshot or like, like through the air or running high no armor high agility warlock slide shot gunning my way through the crucible in destiny vanilla true that was some good times yeah so just I feel like it'll be a good mobility shooter. It's coming out budget priced. It's only going to be $30, I want to say, for the full game, everything. Um, I want to say all maps, characters, and modes are going to be free going forward. You only buy cosmetics. It's another one of those games, but I feel like it deserves a chance more than a lot of these other games deserve because it is the next game from Cliffy B. And just... Game, his games have never disappointed me. He worked on Unreal Tournament. He worked on Gears. He worked on just so many great games. Mm -hmm. Bulletstorm. Like, I'm one of the few people who really love Bulletstorm, but I love Bulletstorm. And he, like, made People Can Fly, which was that, that was that studio's first game. Alright. So, I'm, I'm going to end this off with the fact that Nintendo has made me very happy. Uh, other than Pokemon, the main Nintendo franchise that I love is Metroid. And the last game we got from Metroid was Other M, and it was bad. Well, was no, bad. we had Metroid Prime Federation Force. I'm sorry, what? That's my, it might as well have been Pokemon Tournament to me. Like, Samus wasn't in it. I didn't care. <laughs> like, I Samus wasn't in it. Didn't care. You couldn't go more fall. It, well, they basically diluted Metroid like into I said, a teammate shooter. On three. <sighs> nope. For me, Metroid has always been, and very few games have managed to really capture the at the essence of the exploring an alien world. Like that's why I like the Axiom Verge. Yeah. Like yeah. it was, it was pretty much a Met it was a Metroid game made by someone who just loves Metroid. Right. God, and then Nintendo comes out and says they're not they're making not one but two Metroid games. 
But the one I'm going to talk about is the one we have gameplay for, which is the remake of Metroid 2, The Return of Samus. And I've always had been questionable about melee combat in Metroidvania games. Like, even Symphony of the Night's melee combat got a little weird sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to pretend like seeing a giant enemy run towards Samus and having her backhanded off the screen wasn't satisfying. Right. That game looks good. Um, speaking of Metroidvania combat, I just have to say melee combat in a Metroidvania. Guacamelee is just, I got to give Guacamelee a quick little shout out. Guacamelee. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yes. I'll give you Guacamelee. Like, Guacamelee was good. But I think Guacamelee solved that by focusing on grappling. Right. There was a light. Was... You could combo into a suplex. And with that combat system, it allowed for the... It, it, this was the first time I felt like a Metroidvania game was actually built around melee combat. Like, Castlevania always... Ha- Castlevania might as well have been ranged because you always had to whip until something like Symphony of the Night or Mario of Sorrow. So, yeah. So, Guacamelee being the only exception to Metroidvania games have weird melee combat. And so Metroid 2, the Which, new remake, looks yeah, like... Yeah, the Return of Samus is... I would give it to Metroid 4, Prime 4, but all we got is a title card, and I'm happy enough the fact that they're actually making a new Metroid game. Right. Alright, Chris, your last game before we do Game of the Show? My last game is going to be Anthem. I feel like that game looked absolutely beautiful, and if you play Destiny and love Destiny, I feel like this is the same style of game. It's an MMO that you get to play with a bunch of friends and just take down a bunch of aliens, have a bunch of, like, you get to customize your suit the way you want to, have a bunch of dope guns, and just destroy whatever comes in your way. And it'll have better storytelling than Destiny because it's Bioware. Right. I mean, even though Bungie had great storytelling I mean, pre-vanilla De- Destiny. Right. I mean, I mean, Halo 1, 2, and 3. Exactly. So we never really know. Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 were great. Then we got... Mass Effect Andromeda, and then hopefully Anthem brings it back. Because I'm aware that Andromeda was the B team, and it was just kind of a team that was thrown together to make that Mass Effect game. Not just that, but also it's like they didn't have a chance to get the QA that it needed, the quality assurance that it needed. They wanted to delay the, Bioware wanted to delay the game because they're like, there's no way we can finish the extra like eight hours of cutscenes that they had in between, that they had. They had, like, eight, eight more hours of cutscenes from, like, Mass Effect 3 to Andromeda. And, like, there's no way we can finish that on time. And Microsoft's like, yeah, you can finish it later. Not Microsoft, EA. It's like, yeah, we can finish this later, and this is what happens. All right, so my last game before we get into game of the show is The New God of War. It has a subtitle. It has, like, an official... It's, like, God of War something. But, um... The New God of War game, which is has up until now just been God of War. It's like a reboot of the franchise, even though it's a continuation. It's a continuation from 3, but Kratos is in North mythology. It's a hack and slash. We haven't had any pure hack and slash games in a while. I remember we had a time where we'd get God of War, Devil May Cry, Dante's Inferno, Bayonetta. We just got these games one after the other after the yeah, other after the other. the last one of that style we got, I want to say is near Automata. In March? Yeah. yeah, we got near. Um, but before that, the only game that was really solid like that was Bayonetta 2. Yeah. And I feel like, so this return to form on Hack and Slash, I feel like it'll be less pure violence Hack and Slash and more like deliberate. Yeah. Like, I feel like your movements will be more deliberate. I feel like this is the God of War game 
for people who grew up with God of War and now we're more mature gamers and they're giving us that more mature story around it. So Kratos it isn't just... I, I've noticed that it has the weight of like a Souls game. And I mean like, yeah, it, it looked like you have to commit to what you're doing. It's not like yeah. God of War where you could just like cancel into a dodge, which was always your way out. Just dodge, cancel everything. But yeah. this looks like Kratos is going to have to commit to what he's doing. Yeah. Hopefully not as unforgiving as Dark Souls. Because one of the things I've liked about God of War games is they had that accessibility. Even like as you worked your way through the difficulties, I never felt that God of War, like even on its highest difficulties, was ever to the level of a Dark Souls game. Look, what I have to say about Dark Souls, especially the first one, especially Dark Souls 1, uh, that game was poorly made. It was. It, it's poorly made. People like. Yeah, you beat it. Yeah, it's hard. It's poorly made. I, In my opinion, the best way, if you're going to experience soul-style combat, just play Bloodborne. Right. Very true. But I like the fact that we're starting to have games that forces you to commit to what you're doing. Though. Or shout-out to Code Vein, because anime Dark Souls. That's all we needed. That's all we... I mean, it's because I'm an old, I've been an anime fan for most of my life, but I feel like we just need anime games. Like, I'm happy Dragon Ball Z, I'm happy Arc System Works is just pumping out fighting games left and right. Yeah, I wish yeah. we would have more, less anime games that were, like, that were the fighting style of turn-based. I, I'm still, I'm not the kind of gamer that likes the turn-based fighting style, so if they had game gameplay that was like that, I'd be way more into down to playing it. And it's either turn-based to me, it's either, to me, turn-based or a fighting game, and it's just like... Let me let me get something else. Well, look in the code vein. Code vein looks like it plays like Dark Souls or Bloodborne or Demon Souls. Any of the Blood Souls Soul, Soulsborn. Souls games. So anything like that, it plays like those, but it is heavily anime skinned. Okay. It's vampire anime, like gothic fiction. It's it, it kind of looks it kind of looks like a more gothic version of a god eater. Yeah, it definitely has that God Eater look to it. Oh, boy. But darker. Much darker. God Eater looks like it could be, like, lighthearted in certain places, like if you put the right character in the right scenario. Dark God Eater has the case of, this is a shonen anime. Right. This turns, it turns, like, this could go, it could go Naruto real quick. <laughs> All right, that wraps up part one of our E3 Reactions episode. Listen to part two, available on your podcast service of choice now. Welcome to the seventh episode of the Cheesy Controller Podcast and part two of our E3 Reactions episode. If you haven't heard part one of this, stop this episode and go back and listen to it. It's a really good episode. Boo! Without further ado, I present episode two.